Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your hosts for today. The Business Diaries is a storytelling platform for businessmen and women to share their stories. The ups and the downs and the twists and the turns in business all bring in valuable learning lessons along the way. The Business Diaries has been running now since 2017, so we've had quite a few stories, all completely different and always inspirational. Today, we're visiting a story that tells how our storyteller came to a complete halt and shutdown. I don't mean shut, shutting down her business. It was far more personal than that. So let's find out. Isla, tell us who's in the guest seat today. I'm very excited to welcome our storyteller to this 17th episode of our podcast. It wow. gives me great pleasure to welcome Adele Martin to the show. But before we hand over to Adele, let me tell you just a little bit more about her background. With a missed diagnosed early menopause at 40, diagnosed as anxiety, Adele was forced to take time off from her career and business. But not wanting to choose between her menopause or her hard-earned and well-fought career in business, Adele decided that she needed to learn and she needed to understand what had happened to her and how she could manage her menopause. Using her research and everything that she learned, Adele has developed her midlife resilient system and she used this to get herself back to business. Since getting back to business, Adele has been coaching other women in business and corporates to understand how their body is responding to the hormonal changes so that they can continue to lead themselves, their family and their businesses through their peri and menopausal changes. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, Adele. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much. Welcome, Adele. Great to have you. Well, I am super excited to hear your story and all of some of the great learnings that you're going to be sharing with us today. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to the airwaves to you, Adele. Brilliant. Thank you both. So I want you to to picture this. So it is the, for me, it was the winter of, of discontent. So I had the most amazing job. I was in the middle of the financial crisis, but I had the privilege of leading a team. Uh, My daughter and everybody else at home, you know, were exactly where I needed them to be. But there was just something that I couldn't quite put my finger on. But I got up every day and this one day in particular. So I was flying out of City Airport and it was absolutely cold. And because of being uh, flying between the two, uh, London and Edinburgh, I used to fly quite a lot, actually. So even the security guards at City Airport started to get to know me. Oh, it's you again. And I'd smile and go through. And I always dreaded the security checks because I would always get hotter and hotter as I started to go through those. And I seemed to be the only woman that would have a, a, a vest top on and a pashmina and a jacket. But what I was finding was the more and more I was 
traveling, sort of the hotter and hotter I get. And even when everybody was staring at me in, in the middle of winter. So, you know, it's something that I just learned to, to manage. So as always, I headed up to Edinburgh and they used to they used to laugh at me actually saying, Adele, whenever you land in Edinburgh, it always seems to snow, despite sort of what time of year it was. But this particular day, we, we did take off. And as I flew to Edinburgh, again, I just knew I was going into a more challenging boardroom discussion. But, you know, I had worked in finance for a long, long time. And it, these sort of things had never fazed me. I'd always be the one that they would send up front because I would just had the resilience to keep going. But like I said, there was just something inside of me, this, this nagging voice going, are you OK? How do you feel? You know, one minute you're hot, one minute you're cold. You know, you're shuffling your papers more than normal. And this nagging voice inside me. And the more the voice was like talking to me on the aeroplane, it's that you know, the more and more tired I got. But as always, I just picked myself up, sat on the aeroplane, you know, even more cautious than normal. We're going through all of the papers. And they just felt like I was reading one paragraph and then re-reading it again. Thought, no, no, it's all absolutely fine. The usual touchdown in Edinburgh Airport. I uh, did the usual, grabbed everything, went through security and got in the in the cab. And it really was darker than normal as I headed into Edinburgh. And it actually did start to snow. But the closer I got to the building, the hotter I got. And just the more sort of overwhelmed I felt this time. But there was no no reason, no rhyme. It was a meeting that I would go to week in, week out. But again, suddenly just something just, I just felt really, really overwhelmed this time. And as I said, I was getting hotter and hotter. I thought, no, no, pull it together. You, you do this week in, week out. There's nothing wrong. So I headed up, headed into the building, lots and lots of security again um, to get in and out of buildings. I felt like when I travelled, all I was doing was taking on and off T-shirts and pashminas because I was going from hot to cold. I headed up to the boardroom. And it's it's really quite funny, actually. I, I always think of it as like a dentist because you always you always had to queue up outside and um you know, you never went sort of straight in. So always that element of anticipation. But normally I would prepare those papers and be absolutely fine. But the more I was looking at those papers, the more I just felt I was, I just felt I was drowning. I was, you know, getting hotter and hotter. And I thought, no, no, Adele, just just pull yourself together. You know, you do this day in. And in the end, I was having this full-blown internal dialogue with myself to say you do this day in day out but I started to get hotter and just sort of started to shake and as always I had the biggest shoes on because I'm only five foot and if I go into the boardroom I have to be taller so I had my high heels on as always because I always felt really strong and comfortable in those the door creaked open and all of a sudden I had this real sinking feeling and then that's it as always, the burning feeling literally started from the knees and it started to creep up. And with every single step into that boardroom, I felt hotter, hotter and hotter. And as I went in, uh, there was always a place on the corner. It was never it never really felt the most comfortable, but you had to sit on the edge and then start talking. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I um, sat down next to a wonderful young graduate who said to me, Adele, it's snowing outside, you look really hot. And by this time, I could only imagine how red I was. And he said to me, 
would you like a drink? And the, the polite Adele said, yes, please, because I was so, so hot. And then the internal dialogue in my body was going, no, no, I really don't need a drink. What I need is a cold shower and a towel. But that, you know, and I thought, no, 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 just engage the brain, Adele. And I then stood up and, and started to, um, to to talk and do this boardroom speech. But actually, for the first time in my life, I actually started to stumble on my words. And probably the best kept secret of my whole life, actually, is that I did have and sometimes still have a speech impediment that I've had since a child. And because of my overwhelm, the stress that I was under, um, I really did actually, for the first time, stutter over my words and I felt so embarrassed. And yes, there was a shuffle of papers and a a dip of the head, but everybody was, was polite as they could be. I was absolutely mortified and I was just getting hotter, hotter and hotter. I delivered what I needed to do. To be fair, though, this day, I know I delivered what what I did, but I still can't remember the exact words that came out of my mouth. And as always, they said, thank you politely, delivered the board paper and I left. And everyone said goodbye. And I think at that time, the relief of leaving the boardroom, I just felt I was drowning, drowning and drowning. I got into the black cab as I did and he was chatting to me and all I wanted to scream was say shut up because the noise is in my head and I was just so so tired by that time I got to the airport yet again the dreaded security always made me hot smiling politely and all I wanted to do was scream well everybody just leave me alone and then unbeknown you know the guy said are you okay and actually no I wasn't but what do you do? Yes, I'm fine. And, and you walk off. I sat at the airport lounge, which is always lonely after a seven o'clock flight and a seven o'clock back home, which I did week in, week out. But this particular seven o'clock was just such a dark place for me. Started to feel overwhelmed, got on the aeroplane, pretty much curled up with my pashmina and just cried all the way home. But if you'd asked me what had upset me, I just couldn't even begin to tell you. I deliberately drove around the block so everybody would be home and in bed because I just didn't want anybody else to ask me if I was okay because I really wasn't. I got into bed and to say I didn't get up for three weeks was probably an understatement and that's my story. Wow, Adele, gosh, I really feel for you. I mean, that was Thank you so much for sharing. That was obviously a horrid, horrid time for you, um, and, and particularly that experience. Um, and, and certainly coming to such a crescendo, really, I suppose, it all, all happening and you being so, so aware of it at a time when you just really didn't need it. I mean, just what happened next? You went to bed for three weeks and, yeah. you know, and then what? So I am um, obviously at the time, amazing family just said, oh, my God, what, what had happened? Why didn't you tell me? I said, I, I can't even begin to articulate. Honestly, my speech impediment, I just couldn't speak. So as always, they rushed me straight, straight to the doctors. Uh, I walked in and as soon as they looked at me, oh, yeah, another city flyer, nervous breakdown, you know. And I felt like, Lisa, those just saying, oh, that's your fault because, you know, you cake and eat it. Well, I mm. think you've had a breakdown. Here you go. I think I'll prescribe you three weeks off and these antidepressants. And do you know what? At least I hadn't even, I hadn't even explained. It, it just as soon as I'd walked through the door and I just said, whoa, 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 whoa. 
this this is this is not the answer you know i i understand you know why you're prescribing them but i i don't want to jump straight to that first please can we understand why why what has just happened to me has happened to me if you take those that you, you you'll feel better and i said but we're just masking the problem you know if that actually works because you're assuming this is it so you know and and you know you get that 10 minute slot in the doctors and then they start yeah. shuff, shuff, shuffling in their yeah, chair time to, in, go. time to go so do you know what do you know what Lisa I was too tired I could didn't want to fight I was I was too tired so I just took I took the prescription and I walked away and I thought no I sat I sat and I, I spoke to like my mum said no I'm, I'm not going to do this I'm going to book another appointment and I'm going to go back in three weeks because I needed to just get a little bit stronger, Lisa, to actually work out how I could Mm. go back into that doctor and ask the right questions. Mm. Yeah, this is something that I'd like to pick up on because you you say that you then, after this point, you then went and thought, right, I need to find out what's going on. I need to do this research. You're clearly not getting the information from the, the GP. You've said that, you know, that that 10 minutes slot, it's just, of course, there's no way enough time to even almost begin the conversation. So with the benefit of the hindsight and the knowledge that you've gained now, uh, what questions would you have asked of yourself at that time? And what questions would you have asked the GP? The question I would have asked myself is, actually, my periods were irregular. They, they truly were irregular every three months or then there was every two weeks. And in hindsight, they were irregular and I should have raised that. And as well as the the brain fog and the lack of concentration, it was just the fatigue and and achiness. So my joints, my hands, um, and even like my skin started to get drier. And sometimes I used to feel like my hair just didn't feel right. So as, as, as much as there were psychological things that I was focusing on, I just ignored the physical things that were starting to come through. And actually, if I had prepared a list of things that, that I didn't feel right, then and it was only then when I started to tick and identify those, I realised it's more than just um, a breakdown. Because mm. it's very clear that it wasn't a breakdown. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So what, what about asking the GP? What would what what would you say if someone was going through that now? What would be the the right questions or the right thing approach to go to the GP? So what I would say to to now to any any woman literally over the age of thirty nine is these hormone changes can start. And I would say to the doctor, look, I am over thirty nine. You know, you know these are how my periods have been. This is how I feel. And this is not how I normally am. And, and I believe that my hormone changes have, have started. And then from there, then you can have that informed conversation. And when I talk to other women, Lisa, I was like, I've not really thought about it like that. I haven't really thought about putting, I, I, I assume I'm going to the doctors to get a blood test. And you can have a blood test, but our hormones fluctuate. Just I would just take it for read that over the age of 39, if you are, if you don't feel your normal self, think about your periods, think about your fatigue, and actually go in and say, I believe my hormonal changes have started. Don't rely on a blood test. You know mm. yourself. You know yourself mm. better than anybody else does. And, and be curious and be brave to say to your doctor, like, I went back week three and said, no, I'm not having it. This, this and this are other signs. And he went, okay. 
let's let's go and have that blood test and that that was the evidence that that he then agreed for for that to happen and and that's how we went forward mm. yeah that's really good advice I, I i'd like to ask you also about um menopause and how it's it's kind it's different today than it was 30 years ago i know that um i know that my mum kind of didn't when I, I mentioned it to her, she was like, oh, I don't really remember it. And it was, I mean, it clearly wasn't, you know, a big thing at all for her. So that was really interesting to me. So I'd like to sort of ask you about that. But before you answer that, can you just clarify for us and, and the listener what you mean by perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause? Because, you know, it's it's banded about all the time, but people might not necessarily understand what those terms are. So perimenopause is that first stage. So roughly can start as early as 39. And that's when the first stages our hormones start to decline. So that would be estrogen and progesterone that are our um, hormones that we have to enable us to have children. And they, they start to decline and then they actually start to gap. And that process will then trigger things like your regular periods. And then there are 40 changes. It it triggers all of those us. And what that is doing is just starting to prepare us for the fact that our childbearing days are over. Now, that process can take up to 10 to 12 years, because at the moment in the UK, the average age is 51. So if you're starting at 40, it could be 11 years of a very slow decline. So actually, menopause is actually only for one day. So I call it a Cinderella moment. So on the 12th month, um, when you have had no period, when you get to month 13, then in theory, over midnight, you have become post-menopausal. And therefore, you won't have any more periods and your, your hormones will continue to decline slightly. But the gap between progesterone and estrogen will come back together and you should just just then you know, move into postmenopause. There are instances where some women get to maybe 13 or 14 and actually have a light show or a minor period. And then you will then won't see any more. So actual fact, although we do talk about menopause, it is actually just just for one day. And also, it's not optional. We will transition through this process. And then when we come out of the other side, and this is where I talk to women a lot, is how long you will be in that post-menopausal body. So you might get less hot brushes and mood swings and concentration, but the physical impacts will still continue. So that's those three stages. And it's the first stage that those that 11-year transition is what we call peri menopause and and that is where you can feel these symptoms come through Mm, mm. I've I've just got another million questions that have just popped (laughs) into my head (laughs) but let's go back to the how menopause is different today or is menopause different today what 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 are your thoughts on that it's really interesting because I've been following the timeline so between sort of 1913 and 2020 the average age has dropped from 55 to 51 And in some areas in the US and uh, Australia, it's it's even like 50. And when I look at, so what what is different between my mother and my grandmother in terms of our biology? And the answer is nothing, because we are women and we've got that same function. The difference is, 
is is for us is that I am managing a, a family. I'm managing two businesses. I was managing a career. Um, I was managing, you know, parents that are getting older. I was managing children that, you know, due to the circumstances today, you're constantly helping them even at 23. And I was working, I say full time, you know, lots and lots of hours. But when I, I look at my mum and my grandmother, they never had the opportunities that we had. They, they never, my mum and grandmother didn't have the opportunity to go and do an MBA and work for a top bank and work in the city. I had my children and my mum was able to help me get back to work because that's what she said. I want you at work where I couldn't. And but what that has done with all that additional stress, and it is still early thinking, is what plus some external factors had brought my early menopause on. So we are living in far more stressful situation than our mother and our grandmothers. And there definitely is research that that has triggered that early stage. And that's why I quickly realised what happened to me and why I coach other women, because there is an absolute link between our environmental and stress factors over our biological ones. And and that is the biggest difference. Well, when I look at, we are the first generation to work through this stage of our life. So that's what what you're saying is, is that the the stress that we put on ourselves by adding all these extra things in, yeah, fabulous opportunities, but it's increased our stress levels and the stress levels have kind of triggered menopause to come about earlier and and more impactful it is so I call it actually the the clash of the titans the two change curves so literally as I got to 40 I was at the top of my career you know and at the same time you get to that 40 then my hormones started declining so literally we had had that clash and because of the pressure I was under at the time I actually sped that 11 years up to just two years because of the stress I was under it was chosen stress but I, I didn't know what I didn't know. If I knew now how my body would have changed, then I would have looked after myself in a different way. As in, in retrospect, obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing. But I felt I now have a responsibility to share with other women because if I could stop one woman having to do feel like I did on that day, then then I'd be happy. Mm, mm, that's really interesting. Chosen stress, Isla. I, I'm handing over to you because I know that you've got loads of questions too. I, I do. I'm interested in picking up uh, sort of on, on the differences between, you know, the, the menopause now and sort of in previous generations, particularly in amongst attitudes towards menopause and how are we more open now to talking about it? Are we, is it more acceptable to go into our places of work and talk about it with our colleagues? Would we talk about what's going on you know, with us, with our with our bosses, or is is there still is there still a taboo? Is there still a reticence? Is there still this pressure that as working women we put ourselves under that we that you know that we have to do our job no matter what? We can't show any any weakness. What are your thoughts around this whole sort of conversation, this public conversation about menopause? Ten years ago, so in my parent, you know, in my mother and my grandmother, you know, literally they didn't really talk about it. It was a nod and they might nod to somebody, but it definitely wasn't spoken about. And and when I had my one and I went to go back to work and shared why I wasn't going back to work, they were like, really? You know, we're going to talk about that. It's, it's mental health, isn't it? It's a mixture of all of these things. 
So I, I really had to convince people to talk about it sort of 10 years ago. And that's why I made a decision when I did go back to work to go back into HR. And, and I did a huge amount of work of starting a conversation about it. Now, that, let's fast forward to where I am today. And at the moment, yes, it's better than where we were 10 years ago, but there still is a taboo. And when I run workshops or have conversations with women, it's a lottery at the moment in the workplace. Some workplaces absolutely get it. And I've got menopause policies in place and lots of support for women. And there are also workplaces that still haven't recognised it and, and also don't even know how to have a conversation with a woman that you know has been working and then all of a sudden perhaps you know isn't on on her top performance how do you then have that conversation so it's certainly better than what it was but I still hear stories week in week out where women still do not feel confident to have that conversation amongst girlfriends yes it is much much you know it's better than where it has been before but I find wider than their you know wider than the people around them it's difficult and some some of the women I talk to still struggle to talk to their husbands and and the the, the men in their life as well so it's 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 better but it's still very mixed it's not it's not where I think it should be at all yeah and I, I want to pick up that that's the burning question what about men Adele are you seeing changes are they recognize are they becoming curious like, do they want to know or do they not want to know that's women's stuff and whoa no don't go yeah. there Curious is the word, Lisa, and, and I, I I do events with male and, and female, and it's quite interesting at networking events where, you know, a man will say to me, have you got, got a minute? And, you, you know, you walk over the side for a coffee and he goes, I'd really, you know, talk to you about my wife or my daughter or my mum. So actually, I have, I'll be approached by just as, as many men asking me, and I've even had men ask me to speak to their wife or, or they've set up an introduction. So I have talk to those and also in the boardroom I did a lot of work with with menopause in the boardroom and talking to to men as well and then them asking me about their PAs or, or their wives or, or their really? mothers yeah absolutely so I love having it I, I grew up in a very male dominated environment in finance in the 80s so I love it and and I just find that you know the men are really curious and when I'm coaching a lot of my women then I talk to the husbands as well you know but I have to, women have to reconcile it with themselves first of what they're going through. Like me, I couldn't share it with anybody because I couldn't articulate it. So I help women articulate what they're going through. I teach them the science because that's the fun bit. Then they yeah. feel empowered to talk to their husbands and their sons and their bosses. But, it, you know, some women, you know, some women, that's still a journey. But men are definitely far more curious than, than they were 10 years ago. Absolutely. Yes, I'm hearing actually that it is our responsibility to a find out what's going on in our bodies so that we are then able to share that information. Yeah, and I work with women to give them the confidence to understand themselves and then I help them, you know, I help women go into the doctors, uh, you know, and I've even I've even accompanied a, a couple of clients who didn't feel that confident and then I also help them to to manage it in their workplace and also to 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 manage it in terms of their families and some of the women are working with lead teams themselves so you know they've got teams under them and if they're having an off day then again it, it's having that ability 
but it's also you know having confidence to have that and not feeling ashamed but also Lisa and I think you know where there is a pressure on us to be to have it all all of the time and I say to women you have to show some vulnerability to say do you know what I haven't got it all together today so women you know there isn't I paid the price of, of just keeping going without sharing it and it's just not worth it so women have to say actually I just need five minutes it's I was even saying this last week it's not a form of weakness to say I need a power nap I need a moment to myself I need to stop because if you don't put your own your own oxygen mask on you won't be good good for anybody but women have to be prepared to stop yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And there was loads of good advice in in what you've just said. And, and Lisa as well, you're, you're totally right, is that, you know, it is up to us to learn about what's going on and to make sure that that conversation uh, is, you know, that conversation happens. So I think with, with what you're saying, Adele, there's a lot of positivity to take forward that there are changes and you know, and developments in in workplaces. I, I think that is very encouraging to, very encouraging to hear. Absolutely. I think um, this podcast will be going out at the beginning of May and mental health awareness is on the 10th to the 16th of April. And I know you're hugely active. Of May. Of May. Yes, you're absolutely right, of of May. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, But Adele, I know you're hugely active in many areas. Have you got anything specific planned for that week? One of the the biggest... The, the, for me, it is those those mood swings and anxiety. So I do a lot of work with women understanding the mind. So during that week, I will be running um, menopause, mental health awareness, and just running some lives and some videos just to share my story and other women sharing those because I believe the more women the more I share my story then the more women will will be comfortable so for me it's all about to now let's keep the conversation going um yes I'll raise in in that awareness week but for me it's always ongoing but yeah I'll be doing that that week I I think Adele you've got like a full agenda haven't you I mean (laughs) what what else is coming up that might be of interest to our listeners? So I, what I do is uh, I run a live workshop um, covering all of the midlife resilience system. So it's designed for, for women in business. So I run it over five days for an hour a day and I give them an element of the midlife resilience system. So at the end of it, women will absolutely know how their body will change, which is the most important thing. And then the next thing is I will give them the skills and the techniques that will keep them productive in their business on most days. So it's a very hands-on practice practical workshop I want women to go away definitely with a new set of habits that will help slow and make that process of perimenopause as 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 easy as it can be on most days (laughs) Mm, that's great this has been such a fascinating conversation and I know that there's so many things that that we can keep we can keep asking. I'm definitely, for one, going to be checking out your course, Adele, because I think what I've really taken from our conversation today is that we can't just put our heads in the sand and ignore what's going on or just try and deal with the symptoms as and, you know, as and when they happen and just try to to muddle through as if nothing's going on. I think that it's very clear that by seeking that knowledge and better understanding of the changes that are going on, I mean, 40 changes, you said, oh my goodness, um, you know, that that we can empower ourselves to manage our symptoms better and therefore that we can help those around us uh, and 
And I think that that's my, my biggest takeaway from our conversation today. So thank you, Adele, for all the advice that you shared. Lisa, how about you? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm still got a million questions, actually. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested, absolutely, totally interested in the shift in social behaviour that's impacting on women now, you know, and, and having... So I am having a different experience to my mother and I don't have daughters, but should I have a daughter or my daughter-in-law will be experiencing probably a completely different uh, experience in 30 years' time. So it's it's really, really interesting. And one of the things that I think, yes, we, we talked about stress, but can I just be cheeky and ask you a few more things, mm. Adele? Um, I want you to also to give us some tips that you can share before we, we, we close that would be good. But two more questions that have come up one of them about the the social um, impact is the the change in food and diet is that something you can tell us about and the other thing that came into my mind is what about people who who have to have an operation like a hysterectomy maybe being quite young they are what stage once they've had that operation what stage of the game are they plunged into straight away i'm absolutely fascinated with food and and the impact on on our bodies and as i say to women what estrogen does estrogen will protect you because we are put on this earth to have children so if we aren't great and we have too many crispy creme donuts there's other ones available and, and prosecco there's other of them available as well um do you know what it's, it's like bowling you know i'm a bad bowler if you bowl and you have the bumpers up the ball will go down the best way of describing it when estrogen starts to take an exit to the right it's like bowling and the barrier comes down and it, you go in the gutter so when people say to me I've always ate donuts and prosecco estrogen says actually your time is up and you're on your own and that will have an impact on you and then the food choices we have so that's why I say you can't get away with what you get away with in your 30s so food and that's what I realize and that's why I reframe it as eat to the form I have to completely I changed my relationship with food I needed to eat the right food to be able to perform that day because I realized some of my food choices was making my hot sweats worse and my brain fog even worse. I mm. realised there was an absolute cause and effect, which isn't there in your 30s because oestrogen protects you from your bad habits. So for me, uh, absolutely, uh, food is absolutely the focus. And, and that's why it's, it's number one of my, my non, non-negotiables along with, with movement and sleep. So that's definitely... And I do think, if I think about when my mum was younger, there wasn't the fast food and the quick processed food that mm, there is now. Exactly. So, Oh my god! I was brought up with gravy dinners, etc. And yeah, today, meat to veg. I was absolutely so. There is a huge environmental factor. And when I, I actually start off with food diaries with women, and before I say anything, and I, I look at their diary, and I can clearly see the cause and effect between their symptoms and the food they're eating. Mm. So that's fundamental. And coming back to your second question, I, yeah, I have I have clients that come to me so whatever forces you into it. So if you have a hysterectomy or you're recovering from breast cancer, you are pushed into the menopause quite quickly. And what I explain to women is 
it, it's like um, the way I describe it is, is being pregnant. So if you if you literally are induced or you have a cesarean, you're literally in postnatal very quickly because mm. you you haven't had that lovely build up of labour. Okay, mm. so mm. if you have a hysterectomy, what you don't have is that build up of peri menopause you literally just over one day so that is a real shock to the body because although perimenopause is 11 years you know if you can if you look after yourself it creeps up very slowly like labor and then then you know you've got it and it's the same so when you have a hysterectomy you're pushed into it very quickly or if you're recovering from breast cancer so I've got I've got clients that are in both of those camps that it's exactly the same afterwards although you know if you're if you're a survivor of cancer then I work with what drugs they're taking to support them and there might be different uh, routines for strength training if they've had surgery so I work with women on bespoke and hysterectomy it's the same but the way the body is impacted is exactly the same it's more like induced it happens immediately and Lisa that that's a shock for women sometimes because yeah yeah and what I am finding I'm doing a lot of work is is women are you know, from a right point of view, women said, oh, yeah, you hysterectomy, you're fine now. But nobody explains what that means for what, what menopause means after that. And I'm going to tell you a slight, very quickly funny element to that. So t- talking about men, my, my daddy's uh, had prost cancer prostate mm-hmm. cancer and he's on HRT now to suppress it so I'm having conversations with my dad about sort of hot flushes that he hasn't had before because it's maintaining the testosterone so yet again mm, he, he was saying yes you're okay and all these people are told they're okay now but what nobody goes to do is explain what what menopause means for anybody coming out of surgery or for now having prostate cancer so when I say I want to keep the women in business in my life Lisa it does actually expend to my father as well um, oh. and I find it absolutely fascinating working yeah. with, with with these women as well and it's the same it's the same solutions it's just they get there through a different way and much much quicker mm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Hit us with some top tips. Top tips. Oh gosh, my three non-negotiables are food, which I have touched on. And the other one is movement. And and within that movement, it is strength training, Lisa. I talk a lot about, I'm more interested in the weight women lift in a shoulder press than what they're standing on the scales. Let's ditch the scales and, and pick up the dumbbells is my number tip. And the other one is sleep. And I know that can be challenging if that means calm, stop, naps, power naps, Sleep is where the the ma- magic happens, and we must mm. sleep like a baby. So my three non negotiables: food, move, and snooze. Yeah, oh, perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, I've definitely taken those on board. Thank you, Adele, for being such a super guest. How can people get in touch with you to find out more? Absolutely. If you head over to my uh, website, so it's executivemidlife.coach. And on there, there's details of to book a one-to-one consultation or join my next live workshop. Perfect. Well, you know, despite throwing in those extra extra questions and, and, and still loads in my mind, I feel that we've just scratched the surface. But, you know, I hope we've managed to bring sufficient information to answer a few questions that people have and at least point people in the right direction. And I think that your top tips are, are great as well, because definitely sleep. If you, you don't get your sleep, then you know you 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 know where you're dead aren't you you just can't function so that that's good that's good advice for anyone 
really um but yeah the movement and building up your muscles because they just begin to decline don't they that's the problem so yeah so Adele we know that you're super busy we really appreciate your time thank you so much and I think that that's just got the conversation started so unfortunately we find ourselves at the end of another podcast it always happens so quickly but time to say thank you to everyone Thank you to Paul Cheese for our fantastic jingle and for his editing expertise. Isla, any announcements before we go? Just to say that we're keeping the stories coming every month. Uh, As I said earlier, this is our 17th podcast. So there's loads of previous stories and storytellers to go back and listen to. So do subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform um, we're on podbean spotify itunes so all of the uh, preferred platform and lisa and i both really love to hear what you think of the stories as well so please do message us um, on social media you can find us on twitter and facebook at the biz diaries b-i-z so at the biz diaries do let us give us you know do share your thoughts with us because we love to hear your feedback yeah, and, and just a reminder that it's it's Mental Health Week on the 10th to the 16th of May. So get involved, check out what Adele's doing. Um, I'm sure it'll be really interesting. So, of course, thanks go to you, the listener, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's story and the discussion and that you'll join us for the next one. Bye for now. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. 